Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello folks and welcome to a very special edition of the Gallant Few podcast. My name is Colin, your host as always, and tonight I'm delighted to announce a special guest. It is Scott Kyle. Um, you'll know him from I'm Not Billy, he's a Tim. Um, Scott, absolute pleasure to have you on, thank you. No worries Colin, thanks for having me on. No, pleasure's all yours mate. So, um it's been a bit of a, <laughs> been a bit of a, at last minute, um, pulling you on. Um, got in touch last week, um, and obviously I've been fashionably late tonight, um, <laughs> battling that, eh, mate. But we, no, we said we'll just have a bit of a chat about yourself, um, your, you know, user Rangers fan, entering into the, um, the acting industry and the play itself, of course. Mm-hmm. So I suppose. Tell the listeners a wee bit about yourself. Um, I'm guessing you you play Billy and I'm not Billy. He's a Tim. Why well, that's it. So uh, first and foremost, uh, people might know me as uh, Billy for singing I'm not Billy. He's a Tim. Um, uh, before I arrived at, at, at being Billy in the show, um, I kind of I grew up in Rutherland, a bit like yourself, Colin. You're, you're a Rutherland boy as well. Eh? So uh, I, I knew we had a connection. Man. Just, <laughs> like, I felt the chemistry straight away. Yeah. So uh, so I, I grew up in Rutherland and uh, I kind of grew up in a street where there was kind of mixed. You know. There's, Group, families that are all Rangers, families that are Celtic. We kind of grew up without a dad in our lives, so we didn't have you know, an allegiance. My mommy was neighbor; she was busy working, trying to keep two kids uh, fed, watered, and clothed. Do you know what I mean? Um, and uh, my older brother, uh, he teamed up with the boys that all like Celtic. And I don't, I don't know whether it was just to, to just to do the opposite of him, or it just so happened that the pals was hanging about with. But uh, I, I ended up uh, kind of get, getting into Rangers. And I remember my first ever Rangers game. Uh, Walking up the stairs uh, at Ibrox, and Charlie Miller scored the opening goal in the first minute. So literally, I just walked up the stairs against Hearts, and he's, he scored the, the the first goal. And the funny thing is, I see Charlie in the pub all the time, and we did the Angel Share together. So we did a, a movie called the Angel Share, and uh, Charlie and Andy McLaren were in it. So uh, that, that was a bit mad as a, as a wee boy growing up, you know, watching them play play for Scotland and, and playing football. Uh, to, to meet the two of them on Angel Share and uh, I, Charles, Charles scored the goal in the first minute. That was my kind of first introduction to, to, to Ibrox. It's 
empty for the other ones over the, the years where he bumped into Charlie and he, and he comes back hotel or something. Um, he's, he's always also really glad to have a chat to you. But what's that, what's that like for you? Um, like, going to Ibrox scene, like, he, he, the boy could play, man. Charlie Miller could play, like, um, uh, underwater's first spell. Um, watching him score for Rangers and then be working alongside him. Um, anytime I get a, a former player manager on, I'm, I'm shaking like a shit and dog every time, man. <laughs> it, it, it doesn't get any easier. How do you find it? Um, I think going into that, it's, you're all right because if anything, it's probably it's, it's Charlie and, and, uh, and Andy were, they were a fish out of water in that environment. They didn't know really what was going on. They were just kind of... Um, going a language and seeing where it where it went. So uh, so I that was kinda good that way and you were able to kinda reassure them and kinda um make it as comfortable as if you could for them. Um funny thing on that, uh, I've had a couple of experiences like when, when I was younger, we used to at the end of this kind of school year, we used to go out to Ibrooks and we'd get our jotters signed with the football players, right? So we'd go there and you know, maybe Durant or whatever are signing them. And uh, and Koisty was always the one that everybody wanted, obviously uh, and, and I went into um Greed Sport. Uh, it was the one up in Sucky Hall Street at the time. And the, the new Rangers top had just come out. It was the one that had the, the red and the white um, crisscross, do you know what I mean, kind of, um, the, the, four, the four squares. And, uh, and I got my my bowl cut and I got my, my picture taken with Alan McCoist and it was in the Rangers uh, programme. And again, I wasn't going to, I didn't go to the games regularly. We didn't have a dad out to take us. So I kind of, I would go along with, maybe the boys would have a spare ticket and I would get to go along. And uh, one of the boys brought the programme home and I was in the programme with Alan McCoist, right? So that was a pride. I used to have a big blown up picture of it in my bedroom, right? <laughs> it was about three foot wide, about two foot high in my, in my bedroom. And then fast forward, well, he's talking maybe, um, 25, 30 year or whatever it is, uh, I was playing in a, a Celebrities and Legends charity match and uh, and Koisty was playing, obviously. So you go into the changing room and I'm in Koisty's team and uh, and I went out to him and I, and I showed him the, the picture for 20 years ago, right? And I, I said, Koisty, that's that's me and you in Grieve Sports. So I'll host it. And this time I was doing Outlander by this time, right? So um, obviously you're getting announced and that who's playing, who the who the who your celebs versus who's your uh, your uh, your legends. Uh, so Koisty was chatting away about uh, Outlander and stuff, and uh, I got a picture taken. So Graham Soonis took a picture of me and Koisty, and we recreated that picture for when I was 14. I'm going to see if I can find it on my phone, just show you. But it's what, that's one of those wee moments of going, geez, oh, you're looking at it all the year. Oh, you've found it, actually. There you are. Uh, let you see if you can see it there, right? So here's wee Scott as a 14-year-old getting my, uh, my Koisty sign the book, and that's me as a 34-year-old. <laughs> that's a cracker, mate. I mean, that's amazing. Isn't it? That sliding doors moment there, going, wow, Jesus Christ. I that's know. So... I don't know where to draw my eyes to uh, the bowl cut or just how <laughs> handsome Alan McCoyce was <laughs> back in the day, man. He was an absolute um, fucking glamour model, wasn't he? I lie, and a really nice guy as well. Do you know what I mean? So, um, so I moments like that are repinch yourself moments that you, you've, uh, you've, you've had early years. I, I always think it's. One of the funniest things I think about that is that Graham Soonis is taking the photograph of you know, like, Graham going to take a picture of me and Ali. Do you know what I mean? He's, he was a manager that day. So uh, so I think that are kind of amazing moments. I always imagine something like in those scenarios, Graham Soonis, he probably sees somebody with a phone and you hand it to him, he probably thinks, oh, he wants a photo. But no, you take a photo of his pal. Photo of his. I had that one. That, that happened to me one night. I went out with all the, there was a lot of guys in Outlander. So anybody does he watch Outlander's kind of, a Scottish historical time traveling kind of uh, piece of drama, and uh, I played Ross the Smith in it. So in the early days of Outlander, um, some of the guys were all having big Outlander nights, and I went along to one of them. 
and uh, there's guys that all make up the Highlanders and that, you know, the guys, all the, all the other kind of um, guys you need to make to make the show possible, hundreds of men. Um, I mean, other guys were having a beer in the tournament out and met them all. So they were all wearing traditional dress, like they were all wearing all the Highlander kind of stuff that they wear on the show. And I just kind of wore a black jumper and a kind of smart kilt. Do you know what I mean? I wasn't turning up uh, in the costume. So we had a bright night out and, and uh, we're on the way home and uh, we got the taxi rank queue and uh, there's three or four lassies coming up and chatting away to them and stuff. And uh, they're, uh, they're chatting away all oh, we're in Outland and that kind of stuff. And, uh, and I was one of the kind of actors in it, had dialogue. They guys were maybe their background. Um, and uh, they're saying, oh, hey, can I, we do Outland on that kind of stuff. And, and I ended up, I like holding the jackets, I ended up taking a picture <laughs> with the guys, we, we all the lassies that want a picture, and they're having a laugh going like that. He's the one that's actually got the dialogue. In <laughs> We're in the background somewhere, you can pick us out of the crowd. So uh, so I, I've had that experience of getting handed the camera like Graham did that day. <laughs> Brilliant. Um, so, Rangers fan group, before we get into the show, I, I just want to ask you about... Um, I, I kind of mentioned off there with like my family as well. I, I had a similar experience to you where, you know, my dad's side of the family were Rangers fans, but I spent more time with my man's side of the family and I had a hot, big Irish family, 400 or cousins and like all cousins older than me. And I used to get teased all the time about being the only Rangers fan. And I think that pushed me further into being a Rangers fan. The fact that <laughs> all these, I just wanted to piss off my big cousins. What was it like watching the old firm games or title races and that with your, your older brother? Well, again, that was a big part of what drew me to the show. I remember I went I went to Rutherland Library and I was looking for a play uh, to put on. So I graduated, long, long story short, I graduated college and I had a theatre company and the idea was to put on your own work because when you just graduate college, nobody's employing students straight out of college to be an actor. So I was looking for my own show to put on, and I went into Rutherland Library and I picked up the the play singing "I'm Not Billy's a Tim," and I started reading it, and I just thought, "This is amazing! This is so well written! This is what what it's like!" And I, I was I, at the time I thought I've never shared a prison cell, with, you know, a Celtic fan, but I've shared a bedroom. For do you know what I mean? For all these years, it's sometimes so, so, it's rather the present sale. <laughs> so I was kind of reading bits and bobs, going, "This is the tit for tat, the funny things, and all the all the kind of arguments and the run about ways." I was going, you know, I could totally identify with it and thought it would be brilliant on stage. So, so I but like the thing in uh, in Rutherland, we would go in and there were certain pubs that we could watch the the game through the window. There were certain pubs that would let you stand at the window and watch it. Um, and obviously there's, there's your Rangers side of the main street where you would get down and all the, all the Rangers, all the, all the kids are standing at the window uh, cheering on and, and Andy Gorham and all that. And uh, if you if you went about 100 yards up the road, the other ones are outside the Celtic pub kind of cheering on Van Hoydonk and all that stuff uh, was going on at the other end. So uh, so I brilliant days watch. That's what I mean about it was funny to kind of grow up like maybe watching like say Charlie or Ali and then kind of in a professional capacity maybe get a chance to work with them and stuff like that was absolutely amazing. Do you know what I mean? But that the other thing was... Growing up at that age, you know, you're in your teens, you're playing for it by yourself, and then you're watching these games. And that was when Rangers were in the glory days. You know I mean, that was nine in a row and all that stuff. So what a, a great time to grow up being being a wee boy. Do you know what I mean? Can I, I, I always remember um, listening to to Loudrops go down with Charlie Miller's left foot, whips it in, and Loudrops heater to win nine in a row. I remember listening to that in my bedroom. Do you know what I mean? I remember listening to that on the radio and hearing the description of it. Do you know what I mean? Uh, so uh, I, I don't know what was stranger, Charlie Miller's left foot or Loudrop's heater. <laughs> <laughs> They're both once in a lifetime activities. That a heater for Loudrop and a left foot cross for Charlie. I know. Um, <laughs> you would have thought your your brother was bam you up just talking through talk, talking through a walkie talkie or something when you heard that the first that. time. I wouldn't, you wouldn't have believed that. So. I know. It, it's funny you say the 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 Rangers pub and the. 
And I certainly pub a hundred yards up the road. I, I used to me and my older brother used to get served in the and the the pub Andy Gorham took care of underage just because mm-hmm. we knew the, the one behind the bar, then he took care and he wouldn't serve us again. So my first time ever meeting the goalie, he was telling me to get to fuck and I was like, I don't know if I enjoy this or not. It's Andy Gorham, but I still yeah. want a pint. <laughs> yeah, I had, I, had, I had magical moments like that. Like Andy came to Rutherland Town Hall to see the show. Um and uh I, I, you know Remember it like it was yesterday. Uh, coming in, you know, every Rangers fan, well, every fan that was in that night knew who Andy Gorham was and and, and the importance of something that had been in the uh, in the room. Uh, but but the nature of the show, the, the, the show changes uh, daily with whatever's going on the transfer market, whatever incidents are happening. You know, like when McCoy and Lennon squared up, that was all put in the show. Do you know, anything that's going on current it makes it into the show. So right up to, pardon the pun, kickoff of the show. We, we could be adding anything in that happens. So when we found out that Gorham was in, uh, James James Miller, James plays the turnkey, so he plays Harry that locks the two boys up that day. Uh, he, he's There's a wee bit where he lets everybody out of the jail cell except for Tim, who's a Celtic fan, right? So he lets everybody out apart from Tim, and he reads out a list of names, you know, so McGregor, whatever it is, dum, 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 and he says, Gorham, you again, right? So obviously, right away, people know Andy's in. And Andy's in obviously he doesn't know that he's he's got to get a shout out. So we're able to make it as if Andy's Andy's in the in the other prison cell, drunk or whatever it is, and he's getting he's getting released because he's paid his fine. So stuff like that are magical moments. And then after it, uh, Andy came running it. He, he, he was with his, uh, his partner and their kid, and they could, they're wanting pictures and they're wanting you know kind of uh, autographs for the show, and that's surreal. Do you know what I mean? Starting there. And Andy's going like, thanks very much for doing this. And you're like, geez, oh, you know, I'm over the moon just to be meeting you. Do you know what I mean? So, and I met I met Andy over the years. Um, bless him, before he passed away, I, I played in the Rangers and Celtic Legends matches and was fortunate enough to even be in the same dressing room. Do you know what I mean? It's phenomenal. So, uh, so I, uh, the, the show's done a lot and opened so many doors. I mean, there's so many stories I could share with you. I mean, we, we did uh, Dublin with the show. We went to um, Dublin, uh, the Olympia Theatre, just around for the Temple Bar in Dublin in St Paddy's weekend, right? So I'm playing Billy the Rangers fan in Dublin, St Paddy's weekend. There's 1,300 Celtic fans. I think it's 98% Celtic in the audience. So I'm getting booed on, right? Not even say the word yet. <laughs> booed on the stage. They're not laughing at any of your jokes. They're no, 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 nothing at that crowd. Whereas uh, Colin that's playing Tim... Every joke is getting laughter and they're cheering all his songs. And I'm I have to sing a lot of songs to a not no, that's not a great crowd to sing that to. But I think by the end of it, you won them over because they thought it takes uh, big big ghoulies to be able to go in there and, and, and do that in front of that amount of people. But but I like like we're in Dublin, we end up on a night out with Kevin Bridges. Do you know what I mean? Like we, we we were playing the Friday night and Kevin was on the Saturday. This is, I mean, he was big at the time, but not as big as he is now, Kevin. But we met him at the Edinburgh Festival. Uh, I'd won a big award at the, at the festival for playing Billy, which meant a lot as well because I was I cast myself. You know, it's like if you're the lead singer in the band, but you formed the band, you're always worried. You only get in the job because you gave yourself it. Well, I had that that uh, that uh, kind of complex as the as, as one of the actors going, would I go to this job if it had just been uh, an audition process or did I only get it because I gave myself it? So to win the award was a big deal. And uh, Kevin Bridges... Uh, John Bishop, Alistair McGowan, and I all invited us to a, a kind of big, a big night out after the, the in Edinburgh. And then when we went to uh, Dublin, I phoned up Kevin. I said, "I says, you'll never believe it." I says, "I'm in Dublin on the Friday night. Right? We were doing the Friday night. He's on the Saturday." I says, "We're on the Friday. You're on the Saturday." He's like, "Brilliant, we got a night out." I says, "No, I, I get home on Saturday morning because we were doing the Friday night." And he's like, "Stay Aye. on, the night out." So 
we ended up, uh, we stayed on a night and we, we got a, and we went to see his show, obviously, uh, at the theatre that night and then we ended up a big night out in Dublin. So stuff like that, you know, pinch yourself moments have happened a lot with this show, you know. I mean, we, we played prisons with it. We went into Greenock. We played to the lifers in Greenock with the show. Uh, that was the, that was the first time they put the male and female prisoners together um, to see the show. Um, and uh, we did uh, Berlini. We did two shows in Berlini. Uh, we did Belfast. Uh, three week Glaswegians going out to Belfast. I, I had got my van or sign righted with singing I'm no a Billy, he's a Tim. So a wee Glaswegian thinking he knows a bit about sectarianism growing up in Glasgow. And I drove on the ferry over at Stranra, away over to Belfast. And then I got to Belfast, looked around and went, Where am I going to hide this van? <laughs> it's, it's got a big giant Rangers fan on it, a big giant Celtic fan on it. Um, and we were playing the waterfront in Belfast as the theatre. And we actually we we went through the security gates at, at the waterfront and we left the van in the in the theater security secure yard all weekend and it never moved. <laughs> but uh, but brilliant tight and and the mad thing is uh, we just released like an, a a a promo. It's an audience feedback and it's from the Belfast show. And uh, the the nicest thing we we were a wee bit apprehensive about how it would be received. Um, and uh, the nicest thing was a lot of the audience we came out and met them and stuff like that. They were saying it was so funny to see two Glaswegians. Shouting about stuff, they go. We're kind of sitting there, they're sitting in the audience going, What's it going to do with you? <laughs> do you know what I mean? Some of the stuff, so that was really interesting for us, but uh, but brilliant memories and brilliant times with the show. I know it's funny that, like, and also we we've listeners, um, from Northern Ireland and the Republic of Ireland, and but long term listeners will know, um, my partner lived in Dublin for five years, so five years I was back and forth, seen a lot of Ireland, and I um you think you think you're in the midst of a sectarian battle in the six of Glasgow and it's really no it's really no compared to compared to across the water. But I seen the I seen that promo video and um that we'll, we'll kinda of jump back and forth but actually onto the show um before we look at how it starts um just in case I forget this point I do quite like how like you spoke about doing um different towns, different places that you probably wouldn't think you would get to do in prisons, um, asking you and rather going down hall. And it does seem to, do you think you maybe, not to sound too cheesy, but connect with communities um, just be going all across the UK? The big thing I would say with the show is anybody that hasn't seen it, right, it's it's an amazing piece of theatre, first and foremost, right? Des Dillon, the writer, um, has, has captured a, a, an amazing idea um, and, uh, and, and it it goes beyond the football tops, if I'm honest. I, I always like the idea that if, if the tops weren't there, it could be a Montague and a Capulet, you know, it could be Sunny Shiite. I know it could be Israeli Palestine. Nice. It's two people who do not get on and they're forced to face each other in the prison cell. And what's going on in the show is uh, the, the turnkey Harry, the guy, the jailer that locks him up, uh, he's going through a tough time in the story and he's waiting on a, a phone call about his grandson who's in for an operation. And they're not sure the grandson's going to make it. So as Billy and Tim battle out in the cell, they're taking shots each at watching the match through the hatch, and they inevitably get an insight into Harry's world. And when he comes in, maybe with a cup of coffee for the boys, they're asking about the grandson and stuff. And there starts to be kind of the, the beginnings of a, a truce or a peace process. The guys are coming together, and it's it's in the support of Harry, the guy that's having a tough time. And I think that's the magic of the story. So as I said, you could make it, you know, it could be it could be uh, Israeli-Palestine, it could be uh, Sunny Shia, it could be Montague Capulet. It, it's a brilliant piece of theatre, first and foremost. The tops add to it. Uh, they get great, you know, great comedy. There's loads in there as well. But um, but I, first and foremost, it's a brilliant piece of theatre. And that I think that's, it, it transpires uh, just the football. 
tops, you know, like I think you could take it to uh, another country um, and they would still get it because the subtext and the, the 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 way the guys are having a banter and the reactions to certain things, you would understand. If, if it was two Italians doing it, you'd sit there and you'd go like, I know he must have said something because of his reaction. Aye. Do you know what I mean? So trans, there's been people that came down and about football and they totally get the show because it's there's much more to it than, than just the football. So yeah, we 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 started off the show calling um in pubs because when I picked up the, the play in the library that day, I contacted the theatres and they were terrified of it. Oh no, 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 I don't want anything like that. They would have just seen the headlines in the sun, like running battles um, at local theatre. And I remember they used to say, I think they did did a a play called The Sash once, and one of the theatres said, oh, oh, we had a breakthrough through the window or something like that. And I'm sitting going, this is the both sides, and you've not not even looked at the play to consider it. Um, And uh, and we started off kind of any pub that would take us, working men's clubs. We went to Giffnock North. Uh, football ground, big shout out to Jim that used to book us there. So we went to Giffen up north five years in a row, right? And essentially there's there's changes in the show all the time. It is a different show each time you see it, but but the through line of the story is, you know, the guys go to prison, blah blah. So uh, so Jim used to book us every year. So when we first started out, you know, we turned up in a gas van. because uh, <laughs> my mate had a gas van, we were borrowing his van. Uh, we turned up in the gas van. Five years later we're turning up in the big van. We've got our billboards on the side of it, as I said earlier on and uh, you know that thing that people want to get a taxi they, they say to the taxi driver you know uh, you're busy the night are we, we, what time do you finish you know these sort of questions well where the show it's normally where he's playing the mora that's what people you know you're packing up the van so the guy comes in and says we're at Giffen up North football ground we've just done it to 120 people in the pub and the guy says where he's playing the mora then and I'm saying the SECC we were plenty 3,000 the next night at the SECC, and the guy's like, why is why he's playing here if he's can fill the SECC? And I said, because the guy, Jim, that booked us, he booked us when we couldn't get into the SECC, and he booked us when the theatres didn't want to know us. So I always went back every year. As the show got bigger, we always went back when he asked us. Do you know what I mean? So, so yeah, we, we started off there. So we've been into schools. We've done schools versions of it. We'll take the swear in it. Um, and it still lands. It still lands with, with, with the younger generations. Um, there's a big kind of um, emphasis when in the school but pushing um, anti-sectarian message going through it you know kind of the right. show the show's still that as well so we, we kind of put on the poster that's an allegory for peace processes all over the world and probably no no more poignant than now than what we're all watching in the news do you know what I mean it starts off small and it can grow into something huge um, so uh, so yeah we've been lucky enough that we've, we've played like the SECC as I say walking out and playing to 3,000 people we have play you found in the library is, is a movie you know so for them to do it they want to make a movie <laughs> You know what I mean? That, that is a story of a movie, though. You find a play in a library and it grow on and gross when it's grossed. And to be, I mean, 20 years later, the show's still relevant and still touring. It's incredible to think that that journey started me getting into Rutherland Library. I, I think they should have a plaque in Rutherland Library that that's where the play started. Do you know what I mean? Can I stuff like that? But, uh, but yeah, and, and we've done, say, Northern Ireland, we've done Republic Island as well. And we're going back. We've got some Northern Irish dates so far and we're, we're working on so That's 2025. But the, the programme's pretty busy. We start off in London in May, um, which is exciting. The show's never been to London before, so that'll be interesting. Um, and we're playing the, the Old Red Lion Theatre in London. Uh, we're doing the Glasgow Pavilion. That's a big one in September, Friday the 13th, believe it or not. <laughs> Lucky for some. Uh, we're doing the Pavilion. Um, and then we're touring the whole of Scotland. So there's, we're back to Rutherland Town Hall, East Kilbride, Hamilton, and all of about 40 venues in total. So it's a huge tour. Um, and it's the original gang. It's myself and Colin that that, that starred in it as as Billy and Tim and James Miller, who plays Harry in it. So um, so we've not done it for a, a wee while. So it's kind of getting us all 
but a bit older and a bit wiser, hopefully. <laughs> so hopefully it's even better than it was before. So we, and obviously we this show will be airing during the week before Christmas. So um, if I know the gallant few listeners uh, like, I, like I do, I'm pretty sure there's some of you who are scrambling for last-minute presents. So, I mean, I think this is good a time as any, Scott. Where, where can they get tickets? Uh, you can get tickets from www.scottkyle.co.uk. Now, that's just my personal website, and that's got a list of all the tour dates on it. And that's that's more for me and the cast to get on there and remember where we're supposed to be at the weekend. <laughs> um, but when you click on there, you can see all the dates. And it's just a centralised place for anybody who wants to see it. But the Pavilion Theatre in Glasgow is a big one that we're kind of trying to fill the now. That's 1,500 uh, that are going to be going there. So um, so I, we're very, very excited about getting back in there. We're looking at the script, looking at new material, um, and uh, and trying to update it and, and bring it bang fresh for for the next generations as well because this is the the mad thing is that every year there's there's there's, there's teenagers who are grown up and are then applicable to come and see the show so we've got a new audience all the time and because the show changes you find that there's people coming back and seeing it with younger generations and uh, and older generations and people bringing pals and coming back and seeing it again and again so uh, so it's it's very very exciting but. Uh, if, if anybody's wanting tickets, as you say, it's a good Christmas present. Um, and we've got our uh, STV adverts are going out as well. So if this is going out the week uh, uh, before Christmas, that's when the STV adverts are on the telly. So I would get in quick before the TV adverts hit because it'll be very busy once once that happens. I mean, just to go back to the... Not to make us both feel too old, um, but <laughs> you, you, you said... Uh, this has been going on for about 20 years. That must be so hard to keep the, the same message, but keep it relevant as well, because 20 years ago, TikTok wasn't a thing. Um, like COVID hadn't been. Um, we were all still had our Nokia 3310s. Um, that just, I try to keep it up, beating fresh and way modern. That must be solid. We haven't been doing it for 20 years. That's important. There's been, there's, you know, it's a bit like doing Romeo and Juliet. You're no Romeo. You know, somebody no. gets to play that role. So uh, Billy, Tim, and Harry have been played by other actors. We actually, last year, the show went out and it was um, it was a female version of the show. Went out right. and did the pavilion last year. I think that'll come back again. Um, I think a brilliant idea. Do you know what I mean? Uh, it's, it's the lassie's turn to go and do it. So, um, so, uh, so, yeah, so it changes all the time. And that's the thing. Different actors bring different things to it. Um, different people's different sense of humour. So some people get brilliant ideas. Sometimes you're you're chatting in the pub to somebody and they say something really funny and you go, I'm going to steal that. That's going to end the show. I mean, unbeknown to I was like, people used to say Billy Conley did that, didn't they? He said he would, um, he would, he would be telling stories. He maybe heard somebody else tell a funny joke. And he's like, right, I'll do my version of it. So we, we do that as well. You maybe hear about a pattern. You go, that's that's brilliant part of that. That's, that's going to end them all a night, you know? Um, so, uh, so yeah, but the, the show's fresh because, as you say, times are changing, so it's never the same show. Uh, any, I mean, you, you literally could come and see it on a Saturday night, and by the next Friday night, if you came and see it again, there's new gags. Now, if there's, particularly if there's been a range of the Celtic game, if there's been any movement, any drops of points, you know, obviously, like, Celtic just get beat off with Kilmarnock, so there'd be, be Kelly Pie jokes going in. Do you know what I mean? You're like, I'm starving, you know what I mean? They could murder a Kelly Pie, you know, all this stuff. That, that all goes instantly in, do you know what I mean? Just, and the tit for tat just starts again, do you know what I mean? So... Um, so I, it's it's always kind of fresh and exciting, and it's it's nice to be going going in again and uh, and and kind of um, freshening it up and having another go to it. So exciting! So we've we've kind of touched on how you found the, the show and kind of what's happening next year. Obviously, a massive tour coming up, um, kickstart in London, the, the bright lights of London. Obviously, you said beforehand logistical nightmare, but the performing in you that must be some way to kick off a tour. But um, 
how is it? Like, what's the journey been like through? Like, I know you've you, you've had your your ups and downs through it, but it's it. Like, do, do you still have the same passion for it? And do, like, I'm I'm guessing you do. You go on this massive tour. Um, well, there's a couple of things. One of the things about the show is um, I'm, I started writing a book about four four years ago. Um, by the way, I'm not thinking of writing a book. I thought it'd be a lot quicker than that. I wasn't expecting it to take so long. Um, I thought I could get this knocked out in you know, a few months. Um, it's taken a lot of process, but it's kind of been therapy because there's a lot of interviewing people going back, looking at things in your past and all that kind of stuff. So it's been uh, it's been it's been therapeutic doing it. But uh, a big part, I was working on the book uh, and and part of the, the opening chapter of the book um, is is the the night of the SECC that I described where we played three thousand people and it was the night. So I've been doing the show by this time about five years. Uh, so bear in mind, straight out of college, picked up a play, started putting on in pubs and that was 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 far from a businessman uh, or even worldly wise. And uh, and what I hadn't done with the show is I hadn't tied up the contract long term for the show. So um, ultimately, what happened is as the show got more and more successful. Other people came feeding on it, and I lost the rights to the show. So uh, essentially, I lost my business overnight. Um, and uh, and I, I went away, and I was doing pantomimes. And, and you know that thing of joining the dots up? It was the right thing to happen, because I'd have been doing the show for 20 years. I'd never have done anything else as an actor. So I've been blessed in the sense that I, I said to you, when I went and did The Angel's Share, I did a British war movie called Kajaki, um, where I, I played Stu Pearson, who's a paratrooper from East Kilbride. Uh, I did Outlander, which is a huge American TV show. And in between that, I've done theatre in Milan. I've done theatre in Finland. I've done the Edinburgh Festival multiple times. And I've toured the country in umpteen different shows. So I've had a solid career as an actor. And uh, and recently, I get the chance to get the rights back to the show. And obviously, as I said, I've been working on my book. So the opening chapter of the book is the night I lose the show. And then the story the story goes back to my childhood, growing up in Glasgow. I was I was born on the, the 27th of June, 1983, and that's the day that the Glasgow's Miles Better campaign was launched. Do you remember that? The, no, that's a wee bit before my time. Just. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Mr. Happy Man, and it went all around the world. So there's stuff like that. I, I didn't know until you're doing a wee bit of research into the book, and it brings you all the way up to modern day. And, and this, I say, I started the book four years ago. I had no idea I was going to be back doing the show. But what a terrific ending. To be taking the show to London, to be on the biggest tour that's ever been. You're talking television adverts and all that stuff. We've never, we never had this when we were touring on a gas van. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's so we've got the kind of, we've got the, you know, um, what's the story they say that get, get the girl, lose the girl, get the girl again. Well, if you think it that way, it's the, it's the play. So I had the play, I lost the play, and I've got the play back again. So, uh, so that's all, that's all encompassing into the play, and that's another reason. I've been trying to think of an ending for the play. Because um, it's been like, like been lucky enough to be going to the Baftas and uh, being invited to the Queen's Garden Party and meet the Queen for different projects. I've been on saying meeting Ali McCoyce and doing all these different uh, amazing things. But where the end of the book? What could the ending of the book be? And then pandemic happens. There's no work, no nothing. Who would have been an actor in that time, as you say? And uh, and getting the playback actually is a terrific ending to the the play. So I'm hoping by May that the book will be finished, it'll be published, and people that come and see the show can actually read the story of how you built the biggest show in Scotland, how you lost the biggest show in Scotland, and then how you got it back again. <laughs> well, yeah, not to make life too easy for you listeners, but that's this Christmas sorted if you get tickets, and next Christmas sorted if you get Scott's book. Yeah, yeah. man, like, I should be taking commission for you. Um, <laughs> but no, that's, that's good. And I had not to be too cheesy. It has a good movie. Storyplot has, mm-hmm. a, has a dark turn in the middle for, for mm-hmm. you know, to... 
to to have the, the big finish at the ending, man. Uh, and it so, gave you an idea in terms of the book, not just the play, right? So it gave an idea about what the play meant to me. So uh, the play did well enough that I managed to pay off my mum's mortgage for, right? I settled all our debts, you know, stuff that when we grew up, there was uh, wages we got arrested and all that for non-payment of council tax. And I managed to clear all our debts and uh, and the plan was to set up home with my now wife, uh, uh, Karen. And uh, when I won the award, I mean, I won, I won what's called the Stage Best Actor Award at the Edinburgh Festival. So anybody that knows anything about the Edinburgh Festival, you're talking maybe 40, 50,000 companies, maybe 100,000 actors at the Edinburgh Festival, biggest arts festival in the world. For a wee Glaswegian boy to go through and pick up the best actor, meant an awful lot, right? So we started putting my name on the posters, right? So the posters would go up around town that say, starring award-winning actor Scott Kyle. Um, and uh, and one day I got a phone call through my theatre company. So again, I did, my, my theatre company ran for my mammy's house. So I, my mum would answer the phone and say, hello. And I'd say, mum, you need to say it's NLP theatre company. She'd be like, shut up, main house. And I'd answer it and say, hello, it's NLP theatre company. My granny would say, sorry, I've got the wrong number. And so that was what was going on in, in, in my house at the time. Um, but but I got a, an email from a, a lady called Leanne Phillips. And she says, you don't know me, Scott. She said, i seen the poster with your name on it. She says, I'm your wee sister. Right? So, so through the play, I got in touch with my three wee sisters and my wee brother, who I'd never met, right? Wow. I rekindled a relationship with my dad, who I hadn't seen for 30 years because he disappeared when I was three. So the play got me a family. So so the night that the night that I was at the SECC, all that family were all coming to see it. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. So to lose it that night was so I was at my peak of my powers with my financial powers and sense of my business is going great. You know, I've just rekindled relationships with all my family and we've just done the biggest show as an actor. So my career's there as well. Performance, I've won in awards and all that. And that was the night that I lost the rights to the show. So it was a huge crash. Um, and the, the worry was financially, I was worried about stuff, you know, can I just met this uh, this new family and I'm thinking, oh, they'll, they'll know you're a Glasgow boy, but you think you've done all right, you've ended up in the arts, you're doing a show and that, and it was all gone overnight, essentially. Uh, and then you had to kind of build it back, and that's all in the book as well. So hopefully it's an interesting uh, story um, for people to, to read it. And I know you were close to the writer. Um, it, what, have you, what, have you seen a like rekindled a friendship to get the rights back, or did you have to go through the legal process? Um, I, I, the, the big thing about in the opening chapter of the book, I fess up that so the play was written before I was even acting or anything, right? Des Dillon that wrote the play had wrote wrote the play twelve years before, and it was lying in a drawer, and nothing ever came of it. 
Uh, I picked up the play and decided to tour it. Um, I I didn't, as I say, I didn't, I didn't have the rights sold up to it. I didn't sit down and write, here's a 10-year contract. Do you know what I mean? It was just a wee rolling contract every year. The play was mine, day another year. Um, so losing the show was was a business lesson, but it wasn't anything that anybody did anything wrong. It was, in a sense, it was me going, hey, what's, what's the rule of thumb? Get the contract signed. You know what I mean? That's first rule in business. Nice. So the last chapter is is when I went and I met Des Dillon, the writer, and uh, and I had to say to him that, you know, I can't have the end chapter being the same as the first chapter. Mm-hmm. And, and so that was my kind of, you know, there was a deal or no deal. Um, Des, Des' stuff, he was looking for it to happen with the show that maybe hadn't happened with the show up to that point. And I had stuff that I'm going, well, if I'm taking the show back and going to produce it again, I want it that the rights are sold up this time because I didn't get that right. So again, in, in the sense that it's, I mean, the, the opening chapter of the book is it's not show friends, it's show business. Never a true lesson, but I'm, I'm 40 now, and uh, and I, it's it's been 20 years later, nearly two decades later, and I've learned that lesson. And and I, you say, lawyer, lawyers have been involved, got the contracts all sold up, and and uh, and we carry on. Mm-hmm. I, know, I, I suppose, uh, like you sounded like a glass half full kind of guy, sort of like just the fact that you're, and it probably wasn't like that all the way through the journey, but the fact that you're actually listening off everything good that came out for that lesson, man, I think that's, like, that's testament to your outlook and testament to your, like, determination to keep going, like, you went and been an outlander, you went and won awards, so, like, that's, that's a absolute underdog, underdog story right there, man. I do, I do think as well, though, there's stuff with the show that, um, uh, there was unfinished business in the sense for me the show had never been to London right and it never has been I I, I had the show um, for five years and the plan was to go to London and it never you know obviously I lost the rights so and it's never went to London it's not even really done much in England or anything it's been I think it's been to Northern Ireland but I was always keen I'd like to take it to Australia I'd like to take it to Canada to America you know like I, I've got visions of the world tour in my mind I've been speaking to a Rangers supporters club in Dubai I've been speaking to um a Celtic supporters club in Las Vegas with the possibility of taking it there for the Celtic conventions. That'll be a bit like that night in Dublin where you're getting booed on. Um, so I, anywhere there's a, there's a kind of maybe a, an ex-part base or a, or a Rangers or Celtic supporters base. And because, I mean, the cast that we've done it, we've done it to we've done it to 40, 40 guys in a bar that were no interested in seeing a play that we had today because we got free rehearsal space in the pub and we had to come out and date. The very first guys that seen this were not interested. They were sitting in a pub having a cold, a nice cold pint on a Friday afternoon and they get told by the guy that runs the bar, the guys are doing a play. So they turn around for their bar stool and they go to see you know, one of Scottish theatre's great success stories uh, in the pub. And I still meet, there's, there's one guy I meet regularly in Rotherham and he says, I remember I was there the first time it was ever performed in the pub that day, so it'd be nice if it got to you know your your Vegas or uh, or, or Canada, Australia stuff like that. Like, um, and the guy, what I was saying to the guys is, we've looked at Adelaide. There's an Adelaide festival, um, but it doesn't. Need, we don't need to be playing the Sydney Opera House. Do you know what I mean if there's a if there's a Rangers supporters bar or a Celtic supporters bar, we'll play the back room in the pub. No got a problem, mate. As long as we top up our tans in Australia, I'll be ready for that. <laughs> I know there's worse, worse places to go over here, but just yeah. back to the, the night I seen you in the Rodwin Town Hill. So me me and my, my partner go um tickets for for all my family for, for Christmas one year. Um because we've seen it was playing, I think it was a year before COVID and like listeners like I mentioned my mate's family and that, my um one brother's um, Celtic fan, my older brother's a Rangers fan, my sister, pff, depends, 
depends who she wants to piss off Mel. My <laughs> stepdad, he's um he's a Celtic fan, but he's like that guy you you were talking or one of the guys you were talking in the pub. He loves juice, having these we can of fosters, maybe going up for a quiet pint. So I was like, should have seen him when I gave him the Christmas card and this ticket. He's like, What's this? Didn't have his dresses. Well, oh, it's I'm not Billy, he's a Tim, it's a, it's a play. He's like I play, like, like, mm-hmm. I've got two heads, like, no, son, that's, it's not for yeah. me, it's often nicer, M- maybe take one of your pals, I'm like, oh, come on, and honestly, man, he had tears streaming down his face mm-hmm. that night, um, laughing, he loved it, and he still talks about it this day, um, he, d- he doesn't want to go and see any musicals with me, mind you, he's not mm-hmm. at that stage of the theatre yeah. yet, but, no, um, well, well, there moments, there's moments like that, Colin, where, um, we, I remember we played the Citizens Theatre in Glasgow for the first time, and, um, the box office staff, some of the box office staff we went to college with and stuff because we're all about the same age, so we kind of knew them. And a lot of actors end up working in the theatre, you know, whatever way, shape, or form. Um, so, so we'd go in and the guys would say, Oh, hilarious! Like the, 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 the guys that are coming in have never been in a theatre before in their life. So, like, you know, a guy in an Arctic lorry, double parks outside the Citizens Theatre at the Gorbals uh, on the yellow lines, and he jumps in and ju- he just goes in and he just says to the box office, Two, and they're like, Two for what? And he's like, For the show. And all that which show he didn't even realize there was other shows on at the theater. He just thought that was the show that was the only show on at the theater. The guys, like, we've got hundreds of shows, we've got loads of different things happening all different times of year, and we had loads of different ones like that. There was, you know, I, I liked that. See, I really liked it. It brought people to the theater that didn't go. You know, I like the idea it's theater for people who don't do theater. I, I love that because I was near theater gore growing up. You know, we didn't have anybody that was taking us to the theater, so we didn't go to the football either. So, kind of for me going to college was opening my eyes. And, and the, the big thing I'd say with that, and this is all in the book, going to, going to college for me was was not about being an actor. It was about getting a better life. You know, I was I was working in a supermarket, filling the shelves for 16, and at 21, kind of, uh, Karen, my wife, turned around to me. Um, we were dating at the time. She says, what you want to do? You know, you've got to college and all that. And I was kind of going, oh, that's all right. And the, so, I don't know, I'm all right, quite happy doing my job. Um, I don't know if her dad had been saying, her, how's he going to buy a house at any point if he's filling the shelves? So uh, so we started looking at courses, and Karen said, there's an acting course. And I said, because I sang the karaoke in the football night out, doesn't mean you could do the acting course. So long story short, I went to college and I knew nothing, Colin. I didn't even know what a monologue was when I walked into that room for that college course. And that that itself, the, the, the book's called It's Not Where You Start, right? And it's about this moment. I went into an audition. I'm the only actor in the history of acting, I think, to have went in without an audition piece to an audition. Right, and I'll tell you how it happened. They sent me a letter and it said, you'll be asked to perform from memory a monologue. I didn't know what a monologue was, but I thought, I have to perform it from memory, so it must just be a memory test. Right? I'm thinking, <laughs> there'll be this thing, this monologue thing, and it's a memory test, obviously. So that's no bother. What can I do? I'll see if I pass the memory test. So I'm going to the college. I present myself and I'm saying, really want to do the college, change my life, you know, kind of, you might be a wee vibe for my energy. I know I'm really keen, like, really keen to do this. And, uh, and they're like, brilliant, Scott. All sounds wonderful. Right, on you go with your edition piece. And I'm like, edition piece? Yeah. You know, th- we said in the letter, you bring an edition piece. I said, oh, I haven't got an edition piece. And they said, you've came in edition without an edition piece. <laughs> and I'm saying, aye. And they went, right, okay. You know, kind of, and they, they said, oh, it doesn't matter. And I knew at that point it did matter. So uh, they got me improvised something. I danced about the room scoring a football goal or something. I can't even remember. More, but they let, they let me into the course and... Uh, and I use that story now when I'm teaching kids in the workshops. See, when I go in and I, I go into schools, I've got to work. I've done workshops all over the world. I've done workshops in in Canada and America and Germany and France. We've done projects. I'll go in and the first thing I'll say, then do you know what a monologue is? And they all look at you. Oh, 
course, we know what a monologue is, Scott. We're doing an acting course. And I went, well, you're way ahead of me. You're, I was 21, and I didn't know what a monologue was. So if you're 13, and you know what a monologue is, and, you, and you're impressed with what I've done with my wee career, think of what you could do if you, you know, if you equip yourself for the now at this age. So uh, so I, all, the, all the wee experiences throughout life all lead up to hopefully a fantastic story. And that's what well, I've always looked at acting as storytelling, right? You know, I've grew up running about, you know, uh, different adults. You'll all know them, guys in the pub. have a brilliant storytellers. Do you know what I mean? Like watching Billy Connolly, brilliant storyteller. And that's what I've always liked storytelling. So I've looked at acting as, oh, that's a vehicle for storytelling. And I think that's how I see it. I love, I love telling the story of Billy and Tim. Obviously, singing I'm the Billy the Tim. But I like the idea that if I could get my book finished and I could maybe do a book tour, then there's an option maybe that you could share these stories on a stage with people. Maybe maybe it's an inspirational story. Maybe it's a funny story. I don't know. Maybe nobody's interested. Maybe some people will be. But I wanted to write a book. Not because I thought I'd sell a million copies. I just thought I kind of want to be able to get it get it done. Do you know what I mean? And that, that's been the project for me. So uh, I've no idea what will come yet. Um, well, it'll be a dust collector or something for the grandkids, but I did read my granny's kind of version of her book and, and I, I liked that. I thought it was nice to get a wee gauge into her life. Do you know what I mean? So that, that was partly inspiring me. A big part of his life for, for any any passion that you have is just doing it for yourself as well. Like, I mean, like, I, this is this is a daffy podcast because we all like rangers we all like talking nonsense about rangers but you know like we've tried different shows just because we like today as well sometimes they absolute bomb sometimes people listen and i think like i listen to a lot of podcasts we like i don't know if you know some laugh podcasts like they guys always talk about the shows they take to the edinburgh fringe it's like aye they want it to sell well but something we will really want to do as well so i think always has to be an element you you need to do what you want to do as well there's a wee bit of it. The famous quote is, you know, that if you find a job you love, you don't need to work another day in your life. Well, I mean, that's in the sense of the arts. I mean, I, I could be out in a building site every day, freezing cold, you know, and I get to go into a theatre that's a bit warmer and I get to tell a story and have a laugh with my pal. So it's, it's not a bad gig. And some of the days when we're on movie sets and that stuff, there's pinch, pinch, pinch. I mean, we were in, we filmed Kajaki and Jordan, right? It's for anybody watching. Kajaki is a true story about British paratroopers that ended up stuck in a, an old minefield. Uh, in Afghanistan in 2006. A true story. It's a fantastic movie. Kajaki, it's called. That's the name of the area in Afghanistan where the incident happened. Um, and we, we got to fly out to Jordan. Is that, I mean, there's, there's 20, 22 young British actors portraying 22 young British soldiers. And we were jumping in and out of helicopters and in a five-star hotel and being movie stars and going to London in the red carpet. Not just stuff of dreams, you know what I mean? But then you come back and you've got to go to the day job as well. Do you know what I mean? Because yeah. it, there's no pain is that well for the movies. Do you know what I mean? So, <laughs> um, so, uh, so yeah, but as you say, if you enjoy it. And I think that the stories I like sharing, right? So I'll tell you, um, when Billy and Tim first reached, we got to the SECC and we played the Loman Suite, right? I don't know if anybody knows it, but the Loman Suite's a conference centre within the SECC. So it's not the theatre, it's not the giant venues. It's like a conference centre where somebody stands up and does a presentation. So um, we had done the Citizens Theatre with the show and the small space and a wee black box in the round to 100 people. And uh, the SEC phoned me in my house with my now my voice on Hello NLP Theatre, and uh, they said they said um, one of the box office staff came to see the show. We'd love to bring it to the SECC, right? I'm sitting in my my mum's house at this point, you know, in a, a wee tiny bedroom, nine by ten foot bedroom with a set in it, right? And uh, they said, would you come in and speak to us? So I put on my best suit. I jumped on my moped, right, my wee scooter, and I scooted down to the SECC, parked parked a wee bit away so as I wasn't arriving in a scooter. So I walked down in my suit on, playing it cool, and they took me around and they showed me like the 
the armadillo and they showed me the big spaces in the SECC and the whole time I'm sitting going, this is, I'm way at my depth here, right? And uh, they took us into the loan suite and I was like, geez, oh, we, we could probably do this. This might actually work. We could probably play here. So so here we go. We start the journey on the way to the SECC. So the day arrives when the show is going to be there and we've sold it. We've got two nights in this Loman suite, 1,200 people coming over two nights to see us. So I'm in the gas van, right? My mate's gas van. Globe Gas, his company was called. So we're driving the Globe Gas van down the back of the SECC. Now, at the time, Simon Cowell and the X Factors at the peak of its powers, right? So there's fans against the fence and all that, right? And you can see Simon Cowell not arriving. And here we are going along with this van banging and popping, right? <laughs> at the back of the SECC. We pull up to the security gates and the guy looks at the van, right? He looks at me and I say, NLP Theatre Company. And he looks at the van again and he says, he's doing homers at the weekend. <laughs> <laughs> Don't ask and I'll no tell. So... We pull the van around to the back of the SECC. We get through the security with the skinny of teeth and we pull up at the back of the SECC, the back of the armadillo, and we reverse the van. And right, so this is the moment if I was ever making a movie calling, right? You need to go with me here. This is the scene for the movie, right? So we pull this wee banger, a, a van pulls up, you know, popping all that stuff. I look in the rear view, I look in the side mirror, and the double doors open up, right? Boom. And in, in, in my head, this is the movie scene, right? All the, all the smoke comes out and there's about 16 guys. I'm talking tattoos in the neck, but, you know, yeah, mohawks and ponytails and tattoos galore. And they're all marching out, right? And I'm, I'm having a wee moment of looking in this mirror and going, we've arrived. This is it. We've done it, right? We've done it. So I get out the van, shut the van door. I'm walking, I'm walking into the guys in the smoke, right? And it says movie set. And, and I'm like, wow, this is it. And the guy says, oh, get that van to out here. We're waiting <laughs> on the show, right? And I'm like, no, we have the show. <laughs> this guy's expecting Joseph the Technicolor Dreamcoat. He's thinking a big Arctic lorry's going to arrive with this big show in it. And these these three cowboys in a gas van turn up. <laughs> uh, we hand out a, a lavy pan that we got down the, down the brigade. Hand that out. We've got a freestanding prison cell door that my brother, who's a painter, Al, who's a joiner, made it in a flat up in Fern Hill. Right? It's this, this freestanding door. And then a blue mattress and... It's all coming out of one side of the van because the door doesn't work right. <laughs> and then I shut the door and I'm thinking, right, great. As I walk in, there's like, you know, there's technicians and there's sound engineers. And there's loads of people that are like, right, where's where's the lighting design for this show? Where's the sound design? We've been emailing you and you've no been answering. And I'm going, I don't know what a lighting design is. And I don't know what a sound design is. So I'm like, look, we'll sort it when we get in. So I'm like, like, just put a blue light there, a green light there, you know. Make sure you can see us and we'll do the rest, right? And you can see them radioing down to supervisors. Get, get a boss down here. <laughs> so going back to your story about doing it for yourself, it takes me to the book. Now, I, I've been working with a journalist on the book for five years because what I didn't want to do was like what we did with the play, right? It's a great story, right? It'll make a great chapter of the book, doing it your own way in the wee van, you know, but... But there's things when you're making a theatre show and you're running a business, like getting the contracts signed that you should do, right? And we didn't do any of that. So when I got uh, the idea in my head to do the book, I thought, I'm not just going to sit down and just pour my heart and soul onto a piece of paper. We need structure. You know, we need guidance, need advice. And that's why. So I, I started working with a, a journal. I was writing a magazine column. And, uh, and I, I, I this. So I contacted uh, Ian Rankin, right? You know, the, the Rebus offer. Right. Mm -hmm. so I contacted Ian Rankin on Twitter. I got a blue tick on Twitter. So I had access to certain celebs that I could talk to. And I messaged Ian Rankin. I said, look, I'm, I'm writing a book. And, uh, you know, if you're interested in getting his wee hand with it. And he says he turned down Sean Connery's book. 
<laughs> so I was like, he's the one helping one help me another. Uh, but he said, he said, get get a good journalist to keep you right. I mean, and that they'll give you gauge, and that's what I've been doing. Um, and I think it's really important. It's that you, it's 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 the journey of the book as well. Is that there is a way to do, you've got to start right because you, you don't get anywhere unless you start. So you have to start. When you don't have the money. You don't have resources. You you don't you don't have everything you need. You've got to just start. And the right people turn up along the way and help you. But obviously, that's that's not the business model you should continue for the rest of your business life. Do you know what I mean? You then you learn the ways of doing things. You meet the contacts. You meet the people you need. Like like we're doing television advertising this year. I wish we'd done that years ago. The amount of the amount of years I spent <coughs> putting leaflets through doors. So I mean, that was my that was my day job. Backpack on five hundred leaflets through doors in Greenock and Gourock and everywhere you can imagine throughout Scotland. And and that's how we built this show. Was we went to people that weren't invited, and we invited them. And you know, as if by some kind of magic, the theatres were like, "Wow, where are all these people coming from?" And I'm going, "These are people who've been sitting in the house, and they're not on your lists. They're not on your mailing lists. They maybe don't fit the criteria. You know, nowadays you've got an algorithm on the computer. Right. These people didn't fit the algorithm, so the one they ever invited, and our show broke the mold, and it filled those empty seats because a lot of the theatre shows you'll maybe go along here. There's a lot of empty seats, so this show essentially was targeting people to fill those empty seats, um, and it did it on a scale that. That's why it's still touring 20 years later. People, and I can only go through my own experience, people want to relate to something. Like it's, it's why we, we all tune into Still Game and tune into mm. that and that. It's, it's funny, but there's, like, you can relate to it. It's something you know, but there's a message behind it as well. I mean, the message is like, the message I took for when I seen it is there's bigger things in a game of football. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because mm. it was when um, the, the boy that done the, um, the YouTube video years ago, and he was a ghost. Um, mm-hmm. He was only, um, uh, forgive me, I forget his name, but he was a ghost. Um, I knew. I, and I am like, he's dying. It's, um, it was really emotional. It's a, mm-hmm. it's a daffy game of football, end mm-hmm. of the day, isn't it? But there is, it's a, it's a message behind it, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And the same thing, it's like, it's, I mean, I, I, mem- I remember standing at the, at the, the pub Wendy's. I remember walking up these stairs to see Charlie's go. It's, it doesn't feel like a daffy game of football when you're there with you know fifty thousand singing it. And the, but the thing is, it's that thing. It's when it gets to too far and where is too far. And that's I think the play. That's the good thing about the players. It doesn't beat around the bush. It shows you. It shows you the songs. It shows you certain things. And an important thing with the shows, it never goes too far. And I also remember that when I when I first spoke to Des Dillon about it, there were certain things that if you if the, if the boys if the two characters went to certain places, you couldn't really come back. So there's bit, there's certain things that the subject matters you would never uh, never even broach or go there. Um, one of them that comes to mind, I remember Des saying, is like like Bloody Sunday. It's no a laughing matter. There's nothing in it. It's no a subject matter worth worth going there with. Um, but there's a lot of serious other topics that get tackled through it as well. Do you know what I mean? And that's something that I'm I'm really kind of proud of. Um, and uh, and I think it's it's a as I said to you, it's a great piece of theatre. It's a great night out as well, and it's no preaching. That's I think that's really important. I'm the one to go to a theatre and get preached to. Do you know what I mean? But um, but if you can make a point, then that that's good enough for me. And and I think that's that's the thing that you said earlier on. It was it was it uh, your your old man or whatever the tears down his eyes. You know what I mean, coming to see him. That's 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 that's. I, I remember watching Billy Conley having tears down my eyes, and that's the same thing about storytelling. Like, there's nothing better when you know this is about to land. And the, the nice thing about the show is Colin and I did it for five years. We knew the show inside out in terms of those, but there was just there was bits where I, I said to you earlier on your craft. As we got on, there was things you didn't need to say a line; you could just say a line and a look. You just look, and the audience know what what you're saying. Do you know what I mean? There was so many amazing 
amazing bits of it. So, uh, so yeah, I hope I hope uh, all your kind of all your all your kind of listeners and stuff and people that tune in, uh, I'll, I'll come along and see the show because it's a it's a it's a brilliant night out and it's a great Christmas present as you says. And also, you're supporting a wee Glasgow boy that's trying to make his dream come true. So, uh, that'd be much appreciated. Absolutely, and you know, I think that's as good a place as any to kind of wrap up. Just uh, the listeners will know I'm I'm all for. You know, I, I think you've got Rangers fans will moan about the you know, mainstream media and the content we consume. I'm manning them as well. Like we've got so many different options now as well. Like, I'm always like trying to get different podcasts and that launch is like an alternative and you know, it's somebody local like yourself, um, going doing something different, something different that's out there. Um go and go and try it once. If you don't like it, you've tried it. But in the same time, you're saying that I, I love the idea of what you're doing with the podcast, right? Because you see, we, we sit and watch the telly and you go, just see it, see it how it is, see it how it is. And it never will, it never will. The great thing about podcasts like this, it gives people a platform to see how they feel. I, I was on a, a podcast the other night uh, with Charlie Miller and, uh, and Derek Ferguson. And uh, boy, did I feel out of my depth. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm sitting there going, what do you think, Scott? And I'm going this. And then they make a, a, a counterpoint. And I'm going, they know what they're talking about. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> they know what they're talking about. So, uh, but, but, but that's a, you know, they're not going to invite me, me onto, um, onto the telly, maybe for the old firm game to talk about the play. But it was nice that Charlie and Derek and the guys would invite you onto the podcast. So that's nice as well. I mean, there is a platform for people to see. I mean, I remember when, when Billy and Tim first started, I'll finish on this wee story, um, we, we were touring Northern Ireland and uh, and Derek Johnson, believe it or not, Big Derek was doing the, I think it was this, this, this super scoreboard on Clyde One and uh, we were tuning in and he, and he said something like, it doesn't help having shows like singing I'm not Billy, he's a Tim, right? And we were, we were touring Northern Ireland, we have been in prisons and everything, our, our anti-sectarian messages in the show and Big James, it was in the play, phoned up Clyde, uh, Clyde won and he got through and he said to, to uh, Derek, he says, just relating to your comment, you said about the play, you know, whatever, try to challenge it, it doesn't help with plays like that. And he says, there's a famous saying in the in the in, in football, Derek, and he says, we get the game. And he says, have you seen the show? And he said, no, I've not seen the show. And we ended up getting Derek Johnson came to see the show. And Alan Roth, they came go. to see the show. Do you know what I mean? And, and the reviews we got off at uh, him and Alan Roth and uh, Stratton and, and McCoy, and anybody that's seen it has, has been off the scale. I mean, even I remember meeting Jim White when in the early days. I met him in a, in a bar and uh, and I showed him the picture. This was the early early days, and all I had was like actual photographs of us in the prison cell because we'd done a photo shoot in, in Stewart Street Police Station, uh, which is a, another story, right? Is that Colin's dad uh, was a, a, a sergeant in the police, right? So we managed to get us mm-hmm. so getting in the prison, and uh, and his dad's like, it's no like we're shot on a Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> we don't know when. I mean, it's not like the set. Oh, they'll not be using the cell the day. He's like, we don't know when our guests are arriving, so we had to get in and get the photo shoot done before any unbeknowns. Now we're in their cell, <laughs> unbeknown to them upstairs doing their paperwork. And we're we're in doing a photo shoot for the play. Um, so I but but um, Derek Johnson got a wee a wee slap in the knuckles because he was chatting about the show and he hadn't been to see it. And he's like, Big James, we invited him along. It was all done in a light-hearted way. Do you know what I mean? But um, he hadn't seen the show. And that was it. People were scared of the title, and they didn't. They hadn't seen the show, and they didn't know what it was about. So, uh, so, so, yeah. I hope hopefully people will come along and and see what all the fuss is about. I know. And <laughs> again, I can't recommend it enough. It was a cracking family night out um, that, that we had. Um, look forward to getting tickets for the next show. But just finally, again, Scott, where can the listeners find details for the show and more about you as well? 
So if, you, if you're listening now, you can jump on to www.scottkyle.co.uk. So that's Scott with two Ts and it's kyle.co.uk. And that, there's loads of clips in there for all, all my kind of different various projects. So Outlander's on there. Um, there's stuff from uh, some of the BBC stuff I've done. There's Kajaki um, and there's Angel Share. And there's clips to Billy and Tim as well and links to my social media. So uh, a wee thing as well. I did uh, Outlander, which is a huge American TV show, and I ended up with over half a million Twitter followers. So, uh, but they're all in America, so they're not coming to see the show. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll need, I'll need to go to them if, if I want to get them to see the show because uh, they're a wee bit far away to come to a wee night at the theatre. So, uh, so yeah, but I, there's all that information on there and all the socials as well. And for anybody who's too lazy to um, listen and type at the same time, I'll put um, I'll put the scottkyle.co.uk link in the episode description wherever you're getting your podcast. Um, so it's nice and easy for you to go and get that Christmas present. But Scott, thanks very much for coming on. That's um, that's actually for in that hour. I've really enjoyed that. It's been a pleasure speaking to you, mate. No worries. Thanks very much for having me, Colin. And we'll speak to you all again soon. Take care. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 